0: If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos. I don't know about you, but I often think of my life in seasons. You've probably heard of the four seasons of life where the time of year is associated with an age range, like spring is associated with new life or your childhood summer is young adulthood, autumn is more middle-aged, and winter is older adulthood. Personally, I've come to thinking of my life in shorter seasons, like the season I was a brand new parent and knew absolutely nothing about babies, specifically mine, or the season of navigating solo parenting while my husband was deployed, or the season early in our marriage where we were both out of work and we lost our home. The thing about seasons in life and in weather is that they are temporary. They pass often before you know it. I think about that a lot as the long hazy summer days melt into crisp autumn air. Our wide open schedule is filling up with activities and events and that newborn whose diapers I was elbow deep in is now tying his own shoes and walking into school, leading his little brothers by example. Sometimes, it feels like I'm drowning in tasks, busying myself with chores and things that I should be doing because that's what the internet said a good mom, wife, professional woman, whatever, does. But this season of busy will pass. And then what? I'm excited to be joined via Zoom by Lindy Wynn, host of the Mamas in Spirit podcast and this year's keynote speaker for our annual women's conference, to chat about how to maintain our focus on Christ and his sacred heart in all our seasons of life. Lindy, thank you so much for joining me on Candid Catholic Convos. I'm really excited to have you, and I'm really excited to actually get to meet you in person this fall at our annual Women's Conference. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Rachel, thank you so much for having me. I am delighted to be here, and my heart is overjoyed knowing that this is just a touchdown before we're all together in October.
0: It's going to be great. It's going to be so exciting. I love our women's conferences. They're just, it's just like that breath of fresh air that you need.
1: Yes. It's like a filling. It's yes. like the, the woman at the well, W M E N. We all come together to get filled by the Lord.
0: Yes. I love it. For those of our listeners who are unfamiliar with you, would you mind telling me a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Well, usually on my own podcast, Mamas in Spirit, it I don't give out any questions. So I've been able to prepare a little bit for this, which is very fun. So I wanted to tell you three things about me, kind of Trinitarian here in the three. The first is recently I asked my husband if he was going to choose a word to describe me, what would it be? And I was so touched by what he said because we met when I was 20 years old and I am now 46, everybody. I'll be closer to 47 when I see you. And he said contemplative and I think that really marks my heart in so many ways, because Rachel, you may or may not know this, but I was not raised in a home with religious structure or a home, really of prayer in a sense. And I lost my beloved grandfather who lived 10 doors down when I was just nine years old. And it was a very devastating loss. We spent so much time, me and my brothers and my family at the home with my grandparents, and they were such a big part of our life. And I think- Most importantly, whether he thought of it this way or not, my grandfather reflected God's love to me. I felt cherished in his presence. And I remember feeling that way as a young girl. So when he died, it was a significant loss. I remember walking down the aisle at his funeral and all the sweet and compassionate looks of his friends that I had known throughout my childhood. And looking back now, I know that they knew the lifelong impact this loss would have on my little heart. And we lived on a lagoon. We were very blessed water. Once again, that symbolism of water. And I would go out and sit by the lagoon and talk to my grandfather as a nine-year-old girl. And eventually that turned into God. So that basking in God's holy presence, that turning to God in sorrow, yet in everything. I mean, this continued throughout my middle school years and my teenage years until I really started to search. And I think this is the second thing that I really want you to know about me is that I became Catholic at 21. And so I was baptized into the church then. And just one of the most sacred and glorious moments of my life that renewed and changed me, obviously gave me new life and blessed me with new life. And that's so much what I hope for all of us all the time because that contemplative piece is that constantly returning to that well, constantly returning to the bread of life and to be refilled and to be nourished. So I'm really in my life, always going back, there with the Lord to that sacred silence, the intimacy of that space and place. And the last thing I want you to know about me is when I was baptized, my now husband was there. So we were dating at the time we met in college at Santa Clara University, and we got married when I was 23 and he was 24, an older man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> And so we were married. And so that is my big V vocation. And I would say that our shared vocation, which I like to call our little V vocation, which is, there's nothing little about it, is that we are an adoptive family. We're adoptive parents. So I've never been pregnant. And yet I have been blessed with motherhood. We adopted our first two children at six and three from foster care, their biological siblings, and our youngest at birth. And there is a 16 and 13 year age gap between our oldest two and our youngest. And they are now 24, 21 and eight.
0: Wow, that is amazing. I love how you kind of like walked us through like, quite literally your entire life, like with faith and then with being a mother and being an adult and just kind of how your faith and your vocation has just evolved over the course of your life. I think that's, that's really incredible and really profound that you are that self-aware that you recognized that in those periods um, over time. That's, that's really awesome. And I'm really, I'm really excited to get to kind of dive into this with you. On your website, you describe your podcast, Mamas in Spirit, as a mini retreat in a podcast. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Like what led you to this form of ministry and how did it come about?
1: I will try to be just as succinct as <laughs> I did not play it this way with three things. So the first is the mama's part. And I think this is really important for everyone listening to know. And quite frankly, I have not done a good job of explaining this on my website as of yet at mamasandspirit.com, but hopefully one day I will. But when I was 21, before I got baptized, I spent a summer at an orphanage in Tijuana. And I don't know for those of you listening and have ever heard this or not, but it struck my heart. And I noticed when I was there that the little girls who were orphans were referred to as mama often. It's like a term of endearment that's sometimes used from like mother to daughter or maternally, whether it's spiritual motherhood or whatnot with a small child mama. And I thought that was so endearing and reflected God's love so much. And so mamas in spirit is for every daughter, of God, because that's what we are first and foremost. We're daughters of God first. And I also have male listeners. Secondly, the reason that Mamas in Spirit started was because when I was in my late 30s, early 40s, I was surrounded by three women who were very sick, much younger than any of us would ever want. Two were neighbors. And literally, if you looked out the front window of my home at the time, you could see two of their houses from my window. So this really was on my heart and was walking with these neighbors. And those two neighbors had children who were nine, and then the other mom She had a son, I believe, in middle school and a daughter in high school at the time. So these were women fighting for their lives. And then I had a beloved girlfriend, Carolyn, who also was essentially fighting for her life. She had stage four cancer at the time. And for those of you who have fought cancer or know other loved ones, she was at the stage where she was doing different trials and things of the sort. So this was a very developed cancer. And so here I was on one hand looking at these women who were very, very sick and who are fighting for their lives, and yet I had this little dream of my heart, this little toddler that I had deeply desired and longed for for many, many years. She, We adopted her as a baby, and I, I had always wanted to do that, and so it was such a gift and a blessing, so I was sitting there with that dichotomy between those realities, and also death was very real to me because my husband is immunocompromised and has a rare vasculitis disease, and he has been very, very sick many times throughout our marriage. We've been married 23 years. So I'm, I'm looking at this and sitting with this and praying with this and hopefully accompanying these women as God is calling me and also being blessed by them. And God placed on my heart to write letters to my daughters in case something happened to me younger than I would ever want. So I spent the next year of my life writing 52 letters to my daughters and they were about everything that's most important in life about love, about faith, about marriage, about all the things, all the things you'd ever want to talk to your daughter about. And then literally I finished the 52 letters, was walking out of this coffee shop that I spent a lot of time writing these letters in and God placed it on my heart to start a podcast in the theme of these 52 letters that was the first year of mama's in spirit and so part 3 is i actually started a podcast and did all the things you're not supposed to do the first year i interviewed family and friends which is i mean if you read professional advice they'll say don't do that it will never work but i was just following the call of the lord intimately into my own heart and i said yes and then look at how amazing god has been this is our fifth season fifth year of mama's in spirit and It is now a mini retreat and a podcast to hopefully encourage all of us to retreat into the sacred heart of Jesus and to love itself all day long, every day of our lives, to know we're never alone and that there is another woman. It's usually women I interview, sometimes our chaplain, Father John or my husband, sometimes other men, but basically to reveal to us how God has worked in the hearts and the lives of others so we know that God wants to do that in our hearts and our lives too.
0: I love that. That's absolutely beautiful. And it's so funny that you mention that they would refer to younger girls as mama. My husband is Puerto Rican and I never like I had heard it when he would when they would speak to his younger nieces and cousins. Uh they would call them mama or he calls his grandmother mommy. It's just such a term of endearment of of that nurturing aspect that just kind of lives in women and I love that you have this very real and recognizable respect for life and for inevitably for death. And that you took this initiative to kind of write these letters to you. I often think about that. I have three sons and I often think about like, heaven forbid that I have to, you know, leave them sooner than I would like, you know, what would I say to them? And it just so happens that this, our podcast is almost two years old. And we it's nice to be able to kind of leave them that legacy of that. They can hear mom's voice or they can mm. read mom's handwriting. And it just, that's, that's something that's very important to me as well. So I love that you were able to recognize that calling and actually move forward and do something with it. And, and there's no wrong way to do, <laughs> to do anything in life. Everything is figure outable is what I'm finding out, you know, so I love that you just kind of, you're just like, I don't don't know how to do this, but I'm going to do it. And you just did it. And that's, that's amazing. I want to back up a little bit and talk about, we talked about mothers and mama and mommy. In the Catholic faith, mothers are held in, in very high regard. And we obviously want to continue to uphold their dignity and value, but there are going to be some women attending the conference that aren't mothers. Maybe they're single or they aren't mothers yet, or God hasn't blessed them with the gift of children or maybe they're called to consecrated life. How can women who aren't mothers embrace the Catholic faith and still feel valued?
1: I think it's critically important that we find our value in Christ and nowhere else, nowhere else that our hearts and our gazes are truly fixated on Christ. If we look to the world for our sense of belonging or our value as a human person, we will struggle, and we do struggle, all of us, because we all do that in some way. None of us are perfect. None of us perfectly reside in the sacred heart of Jesus. We're just called back there and drawn back there by God all the time, So what I would say to a woman, like if I was sitting with a woman and she felt like she wasn't fitting in or she didn't fit some certain molds or things of the sort, I would want us to remember in our hearts that God molded each of us uniquely and God meets us right where we're at, right where we are in our lives. I think that if I had compared myself to other women or other people in my life, I would have been forlorn. I would have really, really struggled in many, many ways. And that's because nine months into marriage, my husband was so sick and he really spent the first decade of our marriage very sick. I have never birthed a child. Yet God is a redemptive and all loving, merciful God that needs each one of us. And so God calls us where we are. So sometimes I think, in healing that we need to surrender our expectations or the ways that we think things should look or that we would have wanted them to look. I have to do this all the time over and over again. Like how how did I expect my life to look or why is this so much harder? Like the passion is real for Christ and the passion is real in our own lives too. And that's why we have this glorious example to, to carry our crosses yet to lay our crosses down to the only one who can really carry them, who is Christ. And so I believe that one, God will whisper into our hearts in the silence. So I pray for everyone listening and especially if you're struggling to go to the silence and to stay there and to really open your heart. If I had to say one theme that I've heard in, I don't even know how many podcasts I have now, like well over 200 podcasts, but I've also sat with so many people over the years. I am so blessed beyond measure and listen to their hearts and their stories. If I had to give you one Hopefully, holy prescription. Hopefully, in the Lord, it would be to open your heart to the Lord. Mary opened her heart, our blessed mother, to the Lord, and it stayed open. But we're human, and so we close off when expectations aren't met disappointments, sufferings, circumstances, losses like, there are so many things that can keep us from the Lord in our humanity. Yet God calls us and draws us to God time and time again to come, to lay down whatever we're carrying, to resurrender our hearts and to listen to God calling us. And I did that just yesterday and I was praying for all of you. And I prayed about this question in particular. And this is what I heard as I sat in this original chapel that was built by the hands of like 12 families, 150 years ago. And the little light was burning in the little red candle holder as I was sitting there. And as I was gazing, hopefully the gaze of my heart on Christ, what I heard is I need her. I need her. God needs you. God needs all of us. If we think about the state of the world, which can be so overwhelming, we don't need to be overwhelmed by that. The The Lord has the world. Yet what, what we're called to do is to know, to sit in the knowledge, not the feeling, but the knowledge that God needs us and that God calls us, that we are molded and crafted and created by him, by love itself, that we are loved and that we're needed.
0: I love that. And it's it's something I wish I had heard years ago when uh, we were struggling to conceive and felt like the whole world was against us. And it was, it was that God does his best work in our waiting a lot of times. And I kind of want to jump back to something you said about worth and about how we feel like we should be at a certain place in our life because we're listening to the noise of society versus the silence within God. Why is it especially important, do you think, for women to take time for ourselves to sit in that silence.
1: Silence is everything because that's where the Lord is. Like, even if we have a busy life, I don't want moms to misunderstand or, or women who have seemingly full lives, or if your jobs are really demanding, or maybe you're a caretaker. I mean, I could use a thousand examples of things that can make us very busy and our lives feel very full. And maybe in some way, like some people would shame that I would never shame that. Like if you're out there loving and doing your thing, like praise God, all glory be to God. Yet God speaks to us in the silence, the silence of our hearts. Number one. So even if I'm in a very demanding situation, like for example, I I'm a mother of children who have special needs, and one of my children had very, very difficult behavioral issues. We're talking in my opinion like nine or ten out of ten difficult everyday challenging not not to his own fault. This poor child had experienced such trauma and the first six years of life that no one would ever wish upon anyone, let alone a little child so So not his fault yet in his healing, there were all kinds of behaviors that were there and it could be very chaotic. Yet God spoke to me in the silence of my heart. We can be still inside, even when there's a lot going on around us, because God is always with us. Emmanuel, God is with us in every moment. And so first I would say, to know that, you know, there's no magical prescription. I notice all these things on social media that say like, these are the five ways to this, or these are the three ways to this, or, well, I would say that there's one way Christ. I mean, there's one way to reside in the sacred heart of Jesus and to be aware of that. Think about that nativity scene. Think about Jesus being born. Think about Mary pondering these things and treasuring them in her heart and treasure the Lord, we treasure the Lord in our hearts as we walk through our days. now that being said, if you, if we are so blessed to literally roll out of bed early or to uh, to create space in our lives which hopefully we are, obviously the Sabbath is holy, and we need to keep it holy. That's critical yet on top of that, God draws us near. All day long, every day in Ignatian spirituality, there's the phrase finding God in all things. So for example, this morning I was at mass, I was at adoration. Then I was in nature sitting and pondering with the Lord, because I know that this is a sacred responsibility to talk to you about Christ. Who am I to talk to you about Christ? This is a very sacred responsibility. And so life is sacred. Every life is sacred. Your life is sacred. Whoever you see every day, their lives are sacred, whether you're in relationship with them or you're touching down with them for a blink of an eye when you're passing them in a parking lot or you're going on a walk. So my hope for you would be to create space in your life to be with God. Because we are always changing. God is never changing. God is the same. God is our firm foundation. God is our cornerstone. Yet we can be all crazy. <laughs> we can be all over the place. And a priest said recently, Father Baltrus at our church during a daily mass, such a precious man. He said, our feelings can deceive us. And that is so important. We live in such a feeling centric culture and our feelings matter. Because they can reveal things to us about where we're at and how we need to draw near to the Lord. Yet, if we live by our feelings, we're going to be a disaster and our lives are going to be a disaster. Our relationships are going to be a disaster, whatever those relationships are. Yet, when we reside in the firm foundation, when we reside in Christ, that's when all that mercy, God is so generous, that grace, that love, that forgiveness of self, forgiveness of others. It blesses us with that supernatural grace, and I'm a, a, a such a significant proponent. If you can get to any extra masses ever or adoration. Yet I have to say like that supernatural filling of the Eucharist and going to mass, like that's beyond articulation. I can't quite give that words. And so I encourage that as well. So God meets you where you're at and lovingly, mercifully invites you. No guilt, no shame. I mean, there's always a healthy guilt in life when we're choosing things other than the Lord. That's different. What I'm saying is that God is all loving and just going back to the well, just how God sat there with the woman at the well and loved her. He was honest with her. He called out what needed to be called out, but he didn't really call it out. Not in the way we think at it as it in a secular way. He loved her and he was honest with her. He shared with her the things that she probably already knew deep down inside. And he pointed them out to her and invited her into new life. And that's what God does for us. Every time we return to him.
0: I love that. I was actually in a previous interview, I was talking to um some gentlemen about from our young catholic professionals organization about how especially nowadays we tend to define our worth by how busy or how productive we are and that's not really where our worth lies like maybe and especially if it's you know a profession that we're not necessarily fulfilled by because that's not solely where we're going to find fulfillment we're going to find fulfillment in the sacraments and in going to church and Especially for women, like I find myself personally getting too overwhelmed by like the mental load of like, okay, so-and-so has to be at school at this time or they don't like this in their lunch. And it's just an endless list. And I was, I couldn't figure out why I was so felt so bogged down, like couldn't get ahead of my list. And then I started going to an extra mass, like um, our, our children's school, they do like a school mass on Fridays. So I would just stay after drop off and go to the mass. And I was like, Oh, there it is. Now I feel better. And then going to mass on Sunday and it's like, Oh, that's, you need to fill your cup before you can pour, or what's that? What do they say on an airline? You need to put your oxygen mask on first before you can help anybody else. It's that's, that to me is what finding fulfillment in Christ is like, it's just remembering. And even if you have to, like, I literally block off on my Google calendar. Like this is when you're going to mass, you are not to schedule anything else in that time period. Cause that's mass. And that's when you're going to go get your cup filled back up. And I love that you brought up that you have been talking to a whole bunch of women and men on your podcast about some really tough and taboo topics you know you brought it up about um illness, infidelity, addiction, loss, grief, incarceration, abuse, foster care, infertility. you literally cover the gamut. How do you find the balance and courage in taking that walk with someone through a very vulnerable point in their life, and why do you feel it's important as Catholics that we continue to talk about these different topics? How can we? not only continue to talk about it, but continue to show women or anyone really with a checkered past that they are worthy of God's love and their worth isn't defined by their busyness.
1: Yes. Thank you for asking that. And I actually really appreciate that the question has checkered past in it because who doesn't have a checkered past? Right. Who doesn't have a checkered present? Exactly. We all do. We all do. And I think that, you know, this must be where humility comes in and I think that for me sitting with so many people and also raising children from foster care that have had that experience who really in their first moments of life experienced loss you know that was that was part of of their story before they even could comprehend that they had a story yet when I sit with all of these different people who have been incarcerated or homeless or addicted to drugs or addicted to alcohol, who have been wealthy, who have been poor, who have been everywhere in between. I see myself in all of them, in every single one of them. And I see how it almost makes me emotional. Like that could have been me. I I think we forget the merciful part. We forget the mercy sometimes, And at my home parish, St. Phillips in Franklin, Tennessee, about the doors, I think it said for a while, doors of mercy. And who has not needed to enter the doors of mercy in each of our own lives? And I would imagine that difficulty walking with with people could come from many different places and spaces. One would be fear. Probably, for so many different reasons, also it's hard, basically, I'm saying I'm going to walk with you with your cross, yet I'm not realizing in that that Christ is really carrying the cross, and that Christ is going to mercifully and endlessly endlessly pour out, so there's no end to love, like God's love is endless so whether I am parenting a a child through many years that are very, very challenging, or I am sitting with and listening to and accompanying people. Hopefully I really pray that when I interview people, it's not really an interview. It's a heartfelt conversation in the Lord. And I always say it's you, me and Jesus, like everything else out and anyone else who comes, it's like you're offering them a blessing to be able to, to listen in. So It's an honor and a blessing to sit with these souls. And I see that the kind of, gosh, for for lack of a better way to put it, the more colorful the story or the more trying the story, the more difficult the story, the more trauma oftentimes that person experienced in their young life, abandonment, a parent or parents with addiction, bigotry. I mean... all kinds of of different things that people are trying to to work out violence that they've experienced violence or witnessed, even like the the violent loss of a parent. I mean, things that are incomprehensible yet that happen all the time in our world. And we're not called to live in bubbles. I, I feel like I live in a little bit of a bubble in some ways right now, yet not at the same time. And we're called to get outside of ourselves and do what Christ did. The scriptures tell us what Jesus did. Jesus tells us what to do. And we're called to follow that example. And we're told to take care of, I have this, I have this scripture passage in front of me right now from James one twenty seven. pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the father means caring for the orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So we're called to have this purity of heart, hopefully blessed to us by the Lord, hopefully becoming more like our blessed mother, even though our hearts will never be immaculate so that we can pour out. And I would say for myself, there by the grace of God, go I like it's really only by the grace of God. It's a re surrender every day of my life to do everything that I do. And it's very vulnerable. It's very transparent and it's. Like the parable of the sower Deacon John and our church talked about, like, regardless of the outcome, we just keep sowing, And so we're called all of us to just continue to sow. And the last thing that I really want to say and super on my heart about this is that we have seven Catholic social teachings and those are there for a reason. We're called to live those out. And one of them is the option for the poor and vulnerable. We also have the dignity of every human person we're called to live these things out. And if I am so blessed to be in a position to be able to walk with another sister or brother in Christ, because they're facing something that that may hopefully, hopefully I can be an instrument of Christ and, and walk with that person and help lighten the load yet. Let's, let's be real here. Let's be honest for a minute. I am going to receive tenfold from the Lord, like walking with that person is going to create meaning and purpose and clarity by Jesus in my life that I would not have had if I had not said yes to whatever God Jesus was calling me to, because Jesus calls us each, just like Mary's fiat. She was called to her role in salvation history. We are called to whatever God is uniquely and intimately calling each one of us to, to help the poor and vulnerable, to help our brothers and sisters in Christ.
0: That's beautiful. It really goes, it really speaks to the communion of saints and and us as the church, that we are the hands and feet of Jesus, that we are acting on his behalf when we're just simply being kind to someone, because you never know what, what battle they are fighting, you know, emotionally, physically, spiritually, just being there for them as the hands and feet of Jesus is, is so impactful. And you never know how it's going to affect them further on and that's just that's absolutely beautiful that you are taking that on and and sharing that through the podcast i think that that's that's really amazing we've talked about it a little bit but the theme for this year's women's conference is close to his sacred heart can you expand on what that means for you
1: yes so essentially that means everything it means everything that we're called every day to reside in the sacred heart of Jesus. Like that heart that gushes forth, that heart that pours out. I think that we think that our love is finite. Like I think we can even think that preconsciously or subconsciously, yet we are so much more capable of loving them we realize not because we're capable but because of like the scripture of decrease me increase you lord so like my heart is impure my heart struggles my heart gets tired my heart gets resentful and I have to go to confession like my heart gets all the things just like all of our hearts yet the sacred heart does not it is perfect 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 love and so I can't tell you how many times I have kneeled in church, maybe nobody's there, maybe it's during mass, whenever, and and looked up at, at the crucifix and basically cried out for my own heart, saying, "Lord, I can't do this. Like this is too much for me because it really is." It is too much for me. People say, God won't give you more than you can handle. I'm like, well, I don't think that's true. I really don't think that's true. I think there's a the whole lot more than we can handle. Yet, I think with God, all things are possible. So when I am decreased and the Lord is increased and I open my heart for God to renew my perception and my heart, my soul, all of me, then I can reside more fully in the sacred heart, hopefully and prayerfully, and God can hopefully and prayerfully pour out through me.
0: That's beautiful. And I think that, I I hope that that radiates through this year's Women's Conference and that all the women there can can get to experience that same sort of, assistance isn't the right word, but that God-given ability to like really to pick up and and carry on. Because you're right, there's some days that I'm like, God, I know you give your- battles to your strongest soldiers but come on now like this is this is a little much but i love that that perception of okay i might not be able to carry it but but you can help you can you can carry it for and just laying it all on god and that's such a powerful image and without giving too much away what do you hope the women attending the conference this year will take away from your presentation
1: so For my presentation specifically, because Mm -hmm. I first was going to say Christ's self literally because what a blessing that there is going to be mass there and also opportunity for reconciliation for confession there as well, which is just so glorious. And I think that's a beautiful invitation for all of us to prepare our hearts for that time and to come with just open hearts to receive the Lord. I would say once again, I have three hopes. The first is, is that going back to Mary's fiat, and I'm going to tie this into the three first joyful mysteries. The first is Mary's fiat. I think about Mary alone. And the angel appearing to her and her saying, yes, and that she is the handmaid of the Lord. We're all called to be handmaids of the Lord. And all of our lives, first of all, we're all different. We're all molded and crafted and shaped differently, chiseled differently. And then so are our lives and circumstances. And they're constantly changing. Whatever we're facing right now, there could be new things or different things. There's going to be a lot of movement before this October women's conference. And so I pray that you are fortified in your own fiat, that you are fortified. I think this is so critical that we come together as women to pray together, to worship together, to go to mass together, to do all the things together, to share our hearts together, to walk with one another, to fortify one another as sisters in Christ. We need that. And that gets to number two, which has to do with sisterhood in Christ. So the second mystery of Mary and Elizabeth, I think that is the the roadmap, the example, the holy example for us as sisters in Christ. I am going to be also bringing a handout, for lack of a better way to put it, for things Thanks for you to take with you after our time together to continue to build sisterhood in Christ. These have been some very difficult years in history, and I'm sure we're all still processing them in many ways, and they're still kind of unfolding. And, and I think that we still need healing. We need healing and we need deeper ways conversion and reversion in Christ and a deeper sisterhood in Christ to truly be able to be with one another in this mercy and love and compassion, this beautiful femininity that we have been talking about. So I hope that you leave with stronger sisterhood in Christ and concrete ways for you to continue to journey with one another after the conference. The last thing is when we think about the nativity scene, there's always, there's really two parts of this is Mary's pondering heart, the silence that I'm talking about. I would actually love for any of you, and this is a prayer for you. And I've already been praying for you and praying for anyone who hears this podcast is that you would spend just even a little bit more time in silence that you go find yourself in a church or little chapel, like our original chapel or on a rosary walk or wherever, I mean, God is so good on your bed, light a candle, pray to the Lord, like whatever, but that you create greater opportunities for yourself to encounter the sacred heart of Jesus and to sit in that silence in your life. Because I believe that's where it's at. I really do believe that's where it's at. In addition to the sacraments, obviously, because, and, and, and let me clarify for a second, I am a person that, I have also explored a lot of topics that have to do with death and with dying and eternal life, because that's where we're also our gazes and our hearts are meant to be fixed on our treasures are in heaven. And so at the end of the day, it's, it's us and the Lord, it's us in Christ. And so let's get cozy and comfortable with that now, if we're not already and allow ourselves to be totally away from all input. I'd love for you to turn off your TVs more, to turn off even podcasts more. (laughs) Did I just say that as a podcaster? I mean, really the only point of my own podcast is to hopefully crack your heart open to know you're not alone and for you to, to have that intimacy with God and to be able to pour out what you're blessed with. So, so, so that sacred silence and that pondering heart. And, and the last thing is really supernatural that hopefully the Lord will bless us with his new life. We all need new life every day. We hear all these songs and psalms and all the things about God is new. God's mercy is new every morning. We need God new every morning in our lives. And I don't believe that's just me. Um, You know, I know my own smallness. I know my own finitude, my own finiteness. Yet I'm imagining and Rachel, I see you nodding your head that like we all this is a, a condition that we all face. Yet God is supernatural. God will pour into us in ways that we could never have fathomed. And so I pray that we leave our time together with new life, with joy and with hope and with goodness, regardless of what we're facing in our lives. I've faced some crazy circumstances in my own life and God is that good. God is that good. God is that good.
0: God is that good all the time. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Well, Lindy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I'm really excited to see you at the Women's Conference. I think that this is going to be such an amazing experience. And anyone who is interested in signing up can go register on our website. I will link it in the show notes. And I hope you have a really wonderful rest of your week.
1: You too. Thank you, Rachel, so much for having me. And I want everyone to know that I am praying for all the women that will be there for all the women in the diocese and just the diocese in general. And it seems to be such a passionate, invigorated parish. I'm very excited. I hear about the things that y'all are doing. I just threw out a y'all because I live in the <laughs> South now. And- <laughs> <laughs> it's still funny to me. And And so just know that you are in my heart and prayers and you can always reach out to me. You can go to mamasinspirit.com or mamasandspirit at gmail.com or on social media. And I'm really not trying to plug mamas and spirit. It sounds like that right now. It's M-A-M-A-S. I want you to know you can reach me to ask me for specific prayers and Father John Meyer, the chaplain, and I will pray for those specific prayers for you and keep them confidentially and in our own hearts.
0: I love that. And I will, I will link that in our show notes as well, just so that people have, they know exactly where to go and can reach you whenever they need. So thank you, Lindy so much.
1: Thank you, Rachel. Thank you for this time.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org D-A-C and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.